Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Score on the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump and at widemencantjump.com. And this show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com and cantonbay.com. Hear all the hockey analysis that our hosts bring you. You can find this show at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and at widemencantjump.com. Now we take you north of the border to our hockey expert, Tim Dombrova. Hello, everyone. We're back again for another episode of Wide Men Can't Score. And as always, with me on the road to parts unknown, it's Motor City Mark. How's it going, Mark? Uh, it's going well, Tim. Uh, how you been? Uh, no complaints. Uh, it's nice to have some hockey back on the old tube and give you something to do. Absolutely. we got probably a lot to discuss after the craziness that is the first week of the NHL season. Yeah, we've had some ups and some downs, some surprises, some uh, letdowns. Uh, A couple of teams uh, really surged out in front, and we'll get to them in a minute. But let's let's start off with the big, big news. Uh, Well, not the big, big news, but the interesting news. Uh, We've got uh, Mika Zabanejad leading the league in scoring. Uh, after only two games, uh, he's still ahead of everybody else. And James, the real deal, Neil, lighting it up in Edmonton for the Oilers. Uh, now you're also forgetting about uh, Anthony Mantha and his uh, four-goal barrage yeah, he, on Sunday he, night. Yeah, he's, uh, he's next. He was next on the list. I I, uh, I haven't forgot about him. Uh, he just he plays for Detroit, so nobody really cares. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if they don't know if they don't know Anthony Mantha now, they will by the end of the season. I'll tell you well, that. Actually, but, we've, we've got you know, a real there's a real log jam at the top. Actually, you got Zabanajad's got eight points. McDavid's got eight points. No surprise there. Then you got Mantha, Eichel, Drysital, uh, Rasmus Dahlin all have seven. And then you got uh, James Neal's got six, but on six goals, which is incredible. Uh, Hoffman. Stone, Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Laney, and then there's a, there's a whole pile of sixes and fives after that. But nobody's running away with it yet, but it's kind of early. But you got to admit, Mika Zibanejad at the top of the list with uh, eight points in two games is crazy. Yeah, um, it definitely, I guess this is, would be considered his breakout year, so to speak, or the starts of one. Um, but look who he's playing with. He's playing with a bona fide superstar in Artemi Panarin, and he's playing with Buchnevich, who I think he's been one of the underrated Rangers in the last two years, honestly. But I think him playing with those two is its going to be a very, very good year for Mika Zibanejad. you got to remember, he's a top-ten draft pick of the Ottawa Senators. Um, didn't pan out in Ottawa, and now you're kind of seeing that player that Ottawa – drafted is now coming to life in New York and you know what I think New York is going to have a good year just by virtue of the Banajad breaking out them signing Panarin and uh, getting Jacob Truba it's, it's going to be a win situation for, for the Rangers they, they got to be they're, loving this yeah they're going to sneak up on some people one thing I noticed about the uh, 
as we're talking about uh, Zibanejad and um, Neil in particular. Uh, that shooting percentage is insane. There's no way you're going to maintain a 40% shooting percentage over the course of the season. It's not going to happen. Um, they're yeah. both hot. They're both hot right now, but I I would imagine, particularly James Neal, um, teams are going to like I watched the game against uh, who did he get for against uh, the Islanders? Yeah. Okay, I I watched that game and okay, yeah, I mean, uh, full marks to him for getting them. I mean, they don't go in on their own, but it's also not that difficult to score when you're in front of a net on a power play and there's nobody there. Um, it won't take that long for teams to go, okay, um, this guy's killing us. We got to make him earn it at least, and they'll they'll put a guy on him pretty pretty soon. They won't leave him. Like he had two empty net goals in the the Islander game. I mean, my grandmother could have scored both of those goals. I mean, they weren't skilled goals really, but I mean, still full, full marks to him for getting them. I mean, you still got to knock him in the net, but. Uh, that that I think will stop. I haven't seen the Rangers on TV yet because we don't get them up here often. But um, apparently Zabanajet has been he's been doing it on both ends. He's got goals and assists, so he might sustain his point total a little bit better. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the shooting percentages are just not uh, attainable to are not sustainable throughout the season. Uh, but I do think that of those two players you mentioned, uh, Zabanajet has a better chance of having a very good season. James Neal, to me, you know, he's a reclamation project at Edmonton, uh, and he's he is a product of playing with some good players. He's on a line with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, you could plug me in there, and I'll get 20. So the yeah, fact well, that James Neal was scoring six in three games, you know, I'm not surprised because he wasn't put in a good situation when he was in Calgary. They had him on the third line, and he was brought in to be a top-line guy. Now he's playing on the top line at Edmonton. And, you know, is James Neal going to have a decent season? Yeah, but don't expect him to be like a Rocket Richard Trophy winning forward. No, but that's his, one, uh... one thing about the Oilers that we got to – that they have bigger issues about, but still. Well, even when you look at his okay, – he's got six goals and six points – and yet he's, uh, his plus-minus is zero. Now, granted, he's got four of those goals on the power play, so he gets nothing for those. But five-on-five, five, he's just a, he's just an average player, five-on-five. Five. Yeah. He, he so, is. I mean, he just, you look at the Oilers as a whole, though, look at that team. Everyone's fawning, and even at TSN, they're fawning over how the Oilers are going to make the playoff. They're a Dave Tippett team. Okay, Dave Tippett teams in the past are defensively sound. You look at the Oilers, they're really not that defensively sound. I mean, you look at you look at their goaltending. They've let in what, like twelve goals, and they have scored sixteen. That's a plus four. That's not by. That's not much. If you're if you're the Edmonton Oilers, I mean, they even lost their best defensive defenseman, Adam Larson, for I think what two months. So. Edmonton's a very flawed team still, and they're playing in a division where you've got better teams like the Vegas Golden Knights, Calgary Flames, and, you know, you got another team in the L.A. that's looking, that's starting to come on a little bit. Uh, I'm 
taking a wait-and-see approach with L.A., but you still got Arizona and San Jose, who's in a funk right now, but I expect them to bounce back soon enough. Well, the, the, the I'm, Kings I'm really did. the Oilers a Kings didn't look very good last night against Vancouver. They got manhandled. It was also the second half of a back-and-back back for them, too. So, um, what I look at is, what I look at is like, okay, like for the Oilers, and I, I'm not an Oilers fan, but stats are stats, and you know, I'll work, I'll put aside my hatred of them, and I'll look at it from this point of view. The Vegas is two and one, so they're two points behind Edmonton in the standings. But they've played the Sharks, the Bruins, and and uh, I think who did they open up against? San, San Jose. So they played San Jose uh, home and away series, won them both, and lost to Boston by a goal. Then when I look at the Oilers, okay, they played the Canucks, who are not very good, and won by a goal. They played the Kings, who are not very good, and that took, to be honest, because uh, I saw that whole game, a couple of lucky bounces, which, you know, that happens but they really didn't deserve to win that game. And then they beat the Islanders, who are also not very good. And they had 72 power plays, so they should have won that game. So how good are they really, is my question. I don't really know yet. Yeah, and I, I agree with you there, because you want to see them against the top, uh, the upper echelon teams in the league and see how they, how they play them, because... I mean the teams that you mentioned, they're not they didn't make the playoffs last year, except for the Islanders, which let's be real, the which, Islanders were very fluky to make the playoffs last year. It was a one off. I, I, so. I don't I don't feel the Islanders are are a good team this year. Uh you know, they're they're a quote unquote very trots co- coach team, which is a defensively responsible team. They haven't seen it this year. Um and I don't see them making the playoffs. But again, you know, you, you're playing three flawed teams, and everyone's, like, uh, anointing them as division winners for this year. I'd like to see them play uh, a Vegas Golden Knight, uh, a Boston Bruins team. I'd like to see them play these upper echelon teams. Well. And then we can we can start uh said, I mean, you look at their – Yeah, you look at their schedule. They play Vancouver, L.A., the Islanders. The Devils are at least statistically not very good this year, who they play tonight. They got the Rangers. Okay, that might be a bit of a test. Then they play Chicago, who are not very good. Philadelphia, who are so-so. Detroit, who are so-so. They're doing okay this year, but admittedly probably not the best team in the league. The Jets are struggling. Minnesota sucks. Then they play Washington and Florida. Then they got Detroit and Columbus. That's their October. Like, they don't play anybody. Like, there's no Bostons. There's no Tampas. There's no Vegas. There's no Calgary's. There's none of those teams are on that list. So they might have a spectacular October. But I want to see when they actually have to play somebody. Because, like I said, they're November's well. They've got the Arizona, yeah, St. Louis, the Ducks, the Sharks, Colorado, Dallas, San Jose, Vegas, Arizona, Colorado, all in a row. 
let's see how they let's see how they perform in that stretch. If they do well there, then yeah. I'll be willing to say, okay, the Oilers have got something going on this year. But until then, nope, not 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 willing to no. go that far yet. No, I agree with you. I think the problem, the, the tendency with Oiler fans, especially, you know, their team wins a little, a few games, and then they get all hyped about it. They're like, oh my God, we're gonna win the Stanley Cup. Take a wait and see approach and see how your team performs against these these upper echelon teams who consistently win year in and year out. So again, like you, I'm I'm waiting to see how the Oilers uh, react in November, how they. How they play in November versus how they play in October. Like you but, said, the, the Oilers yeah. were looking last year looked really good after the first month. Said so I'm pretty sure they were like six, four, and two, something like that. And then it went quickly, <laughs> quickly went to hell on a handbasket because they don't have a good enough team to sustain that kind of play. You're not going to score five and six goals every night. It's not going to happen. Nope. I mean, they're not going to these Oilers. They don't have Gretzky. Or they, they don't no. have additional scores aside from Dreisaitl and McDavid. And I guess if you want to count it, whatever nickname you want to call them, the real deal or the steel Neil, whatever you want to call them, you know, those are three guys that defenses are going to hone in on and they're going to shut them down. I mean, look what they well, look at the look what Anaheim did to Detroit the other night. They shut down our top line. And basically, you can't have a one line team. Yeah, and if you really look hard at it, really all they've done is traded. Uh, James Neal has basically taken. I mean, because Hopkins has done nothing. He has zip this year. I mean, he's supposed to be their next best player, so he's done nothing. Uh, I mean, you you've got you got like you said, you got McDavid, Drysaitel, and Neal have got 21 points between them. Then you got uh, Cassian has got three goals. Well, that's not going to continue. Then you've got three defensemen leading our next in their scoring, and their forwards have nothing. They've got four, five, six, seven starting forwards with zero points. That's just not – you can't win a – you just can't win that way. And it will eventually – those guys, they'll either get tired because they're playing ridiculous minutes or the other teams will slowly – I mean, you're never going to stop McDavid entirely. But to be honest, he no. hasn't looked very – he hasn't looked very good to me. He's got a – I mean, he's getting them sloppy points where he skates down the ice and throws the puck out in front and it hits two guys and another guy grabs it and puts it in the net and he gets an assist for that. But really, <laughs> it's not really, to me, it's, it, he, he has played poorly. I know people in Edmonton will tell me I'm crazy, but um, I haven't liked his game this uh, year. But anyway. I mean, I haven't, I haven't had an opportunity to sit down and watch an Oilers game this year, but I definitely would like to it a little bit more. I mean, Connor McDavid is going to be Connor McDavid. Let's let's be real. He's he's a world class player, but he can't carry that team on his own. Well, he and he can. he's no, yeah. and he's another one though where he he's got eight points, but four of them are on the power play. And if you take that away, he's a lousy plus one, and he should be a better player than that. 
that guy should be plus 50, which speaks to his defensive play is just not that good. No, and I think you look at his coaches that he started with, you know, I think Tippett will help him develop that defensive game. You look at Dave Tippett historically, his, his teams have been defensive. I mean, look what he did in Arizona. He took a team that had little to no talent and took them to the playoffs for three straight years. So he's got a little bit more talent in this Edmonton Oilers team. So would I be surprised if they make the playoffs with Dave Tippett? Not really, but at the end of the day, in my opinion, they're still a flawed team. They still have issues with goaltending, still have issues on defense, and still have issues in their in their well, forwards. They, they don't have the depth that you would see on a, the, on a uh, championship team. No. Our good friends over at The Athletic, uh, they update the uh, – uh, they have a uh, prediction, and they keep it going every day. They update it the playoff chances and the projections for the final standings, then they make adjustments after every after every night. They still have them only at 20th. But they still aren't getting in despite their hot start. And they just, you know, the stats just don't suggest that they... I mean, granted, every year there's an Islanders or a, or a St. Louis Blues. I mean, I won't say they won't make the playoffs, but I would still be surprised if they do. Uh, all right, anyway, enough about the Oilers. Um, let's talk about some other teams who've kind of been uh, looking a little sucky. Uh, Dallas, for one, and maybe the Florida Panthers a bit of a letdown out of the gate. And also the Tampa Bay Lightning also haven't looked that good so far this year. Yeah, uh, I was a little surprised with, with Tampa. You know, this is a team that won, as we all know, they they came close to history last year, winning 62 games. Uh, It's very tough to see them struggling out of the game. Even Stamkos has lambasted his team about their lack of effort. So I think they need to have a little bit of a wake-up call, maybe a team meeting. But I don't think Tampa's going to miss the playoffs. They will right the ship. That's a team I'm not worried about. Uh, They have too much depth. And they're just too talented that they they won't miss the playoffs. As for Dallas, I'm a, that's another team I'm very surprised with. You know, given the offseason additions they had, you know, and they're extremely talented of a team. The fact that the other night that they let Detroit pretty much have that manhandled them majority of the night. Really, Anthony Mantha had his way with, with Dallas, but still, I was really shocked to see – Dallas beat handled that way, and their record really shows it, too. So they need to figure out something, what's going on down there, too. Well, they look like they're trying to play um, uh, the tight games. Like, you know, they, they have only been, like, they've been in four one-goal games. But that team really isn't, to me, is not built for that. It's built for scoring. Yeah. And they no, are they, doing that. <laughs> no, they are. Like, before their offseason additions, you know, they had they had their top line. They had Jamie Benn, Radulov, Sagan, 
You know, they they were scoring pretty well. Now they've got Rupe Hintz, who's, excuse me, their uh, de facto second-line center, who's had it, who's having a good start to this year. Uh, he's got, I believe, three goals to start off the year. Then they went out and signed Pavelski. We're still waiting on Corey Perry, who's injured right now. So, but still, without Corey Perry, the Dallas Stars shouldn't be struggling this much. You know, they do have the supposedly have the scoring depth, and they have depth on defense. Well, I just I don't know why they're struggling. Well, they're they're. I mean, like I said, you take uh, hints out of that equation. He's got four goals in four games so far. Uh, that leaves the rest of the team with six. Uh, Sagan's got two of those. Ben's got none. Pavelski's got none. Um, you know, those guys, I mean, granted, it's only four games, but, you know, if these guys are going to win, Radulov's only got one. Uh, those guys have got to get on the board. They just have to. And if they don't, it's going to be a long year in Dallas because. Absolutely. This is a team that has aspirations of winning Stanley Cup this year. No doubt about it. You know, they've they've indicated that with their signings and with the direction and the mandate from ownership is Stanley Cup or bust this year. So if they don't make it to at least the conference finals, I have a feeling you're going to see some changes. Maybe even Nope. Six years now, oh, and yeah, yeah. and I and I think that you know that more than ample time for him to 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 build a team, and he hasn't done it. He hasn't uh, produced the winner. The, the the farthest they've gotten since he's been there is the second round. Other than that, it's either they miss the playoffs or they get bounced in the first round. And granted, Jim Neal came from Detroit. He was a great assistant GM in Detroit, but you know he's he's had mixed success in, uh, in Dallas so far. Yeah, their their goaltending has not been uh, great either. It hasn't been horrible, but it hasn't been great. Um, Bishop is, you know, his save percentage is only 9.02, and Kidobin played one game, but he gave up four in that game, so his is under, I think his is 8.80 or something like that. So they're not, you know, you can't play the, if you're going to play that tight those tight games. Your goalie's got to steal you one or two here and there, or, or you, you've got to help them out. But they're not doing either right now. So, but they've got the they've got the yeah, legs got there to turn it around. Uh, yeah, who no, else that's been? Probably you know, another team. My biggest. Yeah, but they they. That doesn't surprise me though. I don't think they they don't have the players anymore, in my opinion. Well, they 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 lost Pavelski, and that was more or less due to cap reasons. But I mean, I don't think they lost anybody else from from last year's team. They got LeBanc, who's on a great team friendly deal. You bring back Joe Thornton, and now they just re-signed Patrick Marlowe who I, he still skates really well. He still skates really well, but I don't know if he's that answer. If it's anything just for a morale boost, it's fine. But, again, San Jose's issue, and well, like a lot of other teams, is goaltending. 
Joseph you look at has it, this, not been getting it done. No, his save percentage is eight fifty. That will not cut yeah. it for uh and his goals against average is four and a half. So I mean all you gotta do is look at the Sharks uh, stats and look at all those uh minuses. You know, Brett Brent Burns is minus five, Carlson is minus six, Thornton is minus four, Thomas Hurdle's minus five, Kevin LeBlanc is minus seven, for God's sake. Um Vlasic is minus seven. And then on top of it, none of those guys have got any points. I mean, they had four games. Brent Burns has got three points. He's their he's their leading scorer. Couture's got three points. Everybody else has got one or nothing. Well, you aren't going to win. <laughs> you know, there again, you're just not going to win. That's that's just not going to do. Uh, you know, you can't score yeah, I mean, five I goals. I don't know. Five goals in four games and expect to see any Ws there. That's no, and I'm I'm really shocked because San Jose's really a, always been a solid team, but I think if if they continue, a coaching change has to happen. You know, DeBoer has to either he gets fired or they got to make a trade. And if I'm well, San I'm Jose, often, I'm I'm looking for I'm looking for a, a goaltender really. I've but often who do you get? I don't know. I don't know. Isn't it? Is it's not maybe time for Ron uh, for uh, what's his name to not be there anymore? Uh, their general manager, who's been there forever. Um, oh, um, Doug, uh, yeah. Uh, you support for the Blackhawks, yeah. Yeah, Doug uh, Wilson. Yeah, that maybe it's time for uh, an entire shakeup there because this team is always a team that they're always talking about how they're gonna they're gonna win it all, and they never do. And they got pretty close last year, but I mean they've been getting manhandled. Uh, granted, they've played three pretty decent teams. I mean, Vegas beat them twice. The Ducks are looking pretty good so far to start the year off, anyway. And Nashville, well, Nashville's Nashville. So, but giving up 17 goals in four games is not—that's <laughs> not the way to start off the season. No, and that—that's San Jose's a team I would probably look at closely and. See, they're probably going to be looking for a trade real soon. Um, I think one of the places you look to for a trade is uh, Arizona. You know, they got three goalies on their roster. They picked up uh, that Comrie kid from from Winnipeg, and you know, I think you know you've got Ranta and Kemper on their roster. So whoever you whoever San Jose ends up trading for if they go to Arizona, they're going to get a goaltender. So, if it's Ranta or Kemper, you know, it'll be better than what they have right now. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. That sort of stuff probably won't start to happen until, I'm going to guess, you know, the 10-15 game mark before anybody really starts to panic too much. Particularly given St. Louis's uh, move last year, but uh, you, know, you just got to get in the playoffs. That's that's it. You know, winning the division and all that, yeah, it's it's a tad bit helpful. But as we've seen, division. Well, what last year, every division leader got knocked out in the first round, I believe. If I'm not oh, mistaken. Yeah. So you know, you yeah, just got to get in. That's it. You know, once you get in, anything can happen. 
Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of. I don't know what else you want to. Anything you want to go at? Uh, oh, kind of talk about my uh, my Red Wings. Well, let's talk um, about your Red Wings. They've looked pretty good so far. Yeah. Um, again, not expecting much out of them this year. Their top line has been money, but you know they were shut down in their in their last game against Anaheim. And that just goes to show you how far the wings need to go a little bit before they be they become a contending team. More for anything, you know their top lines look great. Athanasio was in the lineup last game. Uh, wasn't really a difference maker, so to speak. You know they end, they end up getting one goal, but you know this Detroit team is going to be a fun team to watch this year. Uh, if they don't make the playoffs, I don't think anybody in Detroit is going to be upset with that. Uh, it's just the fact that we're now starting to see our young guys start to arrive and really say that, hey, we're leading this team now, and we're going to be the future of the Detroit Red Wings. And, you know, Mantha has been a guy that for years everybody's been talking about, he's got to have a breakout year, he's going to have a breakout year, and this is the year he's going to have it. So I'm projecting at least he's going to hit 30 this year because he just looks so dominant in these three games. You know, he's just – He's been using his body to his, to his advantage. And, you know, Mantha is just – he's the modern-day power forward. So, you'll, you'll if you don't know him now, you'll be hearing his name he by will. the end of the year. Well, Detroit was oh, yeah. due. Uh, I would say for, for them, the one thing they've got to address, and they can't this year, but they'll have to next year, they've got to get a goalie. Oh, I agree. They need to find a goal. Uh, I just think with the, yeah, um, you know, Jimmy Howard is he's getting towards the end, and Bernier is not a starter. He's a good backup, but he's not he's not a starter going forward. Detroit had some goalies in the system, but until one of them flat out shocks everybody and impresses everybody. Detroit is going to have to go to free agency. Who they get, that that remains to be seen. But I think this is a year where Detroit will trade Jimmy Howard, and that'll be the end of the Jimmy Howard era in Detroit. But again, we'll we'll see how would, the season plays out. I would suspect that he will probably go somewhere at the deadline for a team that's looking for a backup for the playoffs. I, I would imagine, anyway, if not sooner than that. But um, oh, I agree. I I thought he was going to San Jose last year. Quite honestly, with uh, Gus Nyquist, uh, I thought San Jose could have used him last year. He would have definitely helped in their playoff push. Uh, he's got a lot of playoff experience. He's a solid goaltender, and he definitely would have been a lot better than Martin Jones for sure. And maybe if he's on the team, San Jose goes to the Cup final. Impossible. Maybe that's the uh, that I mean, that's that in my opinion, that's that's how I felt Howard could have helped them in that regard. I think their goaltending failed them, and then with San Jose, so yeah, because I mean, what the Red Wings have got uh, the stashed Calvin Pickard in the minors if they do decide to trade one of their goalies, since they've got at least an NHL backup. And then after that, they've got what? Uh, they got the Swede uh, Larson, I believe his name is. Yeah, 
Yep. And, and we got And then they've got well, they got Caden Fulcher too. He's a Canadian, but I don't know that much about him. Um, I think those are the two guys they got playing in the AHL, I believe. Uh, but like I said, neither, neither of those names jumps out at me as being. Uh, now I don't know a lot about goaltending prospects, admittedly, but um, mind you, goaltending prospects—goaltendings well, are—that's weird because guys will do nothing for three years and then all of a sudden they just they just find it and suddenly they're yeah. you know like a car you know you get the Carter Hart syndrome where he was kind of okay in the minors but nothing to write home about and then. All of a sudden, he just had a banner year, and bang, he's in the NHL. And Jordan Bennington's another one. You know, was okay in the minors, but nothing spectacular. And then all of a sudden, bang, just found his game. Well, and then Jack Campbell is another guy. He's a late bloomer. Uh, Fort Huron native, I should add, from Michigan. Uh, you know, he was a late bloomer, too, and now he's been doing really well in L.A. So, you know, goal, well, goalies nice. are very hard to project. Well, as they said, there is a lot of, for whatever reason, there are a lot of goalies who are not that great in the AHL and get into the NHL and are good. They just have to get in there. And it makes no sense because the game is so different. From yeah. the, maybe maybe that's just the reason. The game is just so different from the AHL to the NHL. And a lot of guys that go down don't do well in the AHL. And they're NHL caliber goalies. And you know, the, I don't know. Goaltending is a weird thing. Very tough to. If anybody ever figures out a way to actually judge goalies, they'll be a billionaire because it seems to be a very hit and miss prospect most of the time. Oh yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's tough. But like I said, uh, goalies are very hard to project going forward. But uh, getting back to the Red Wings prospects, uh, Larson's a guy that they've looked at. Um, He's he's been very impressive. He he came from I believe he came from Denver, and he was a starter as a freshman. So he did really well. He played one year of college, and now they've I think they've stashed him in Toledo of the ECHL instead of uh, Grand Rapids. So that's a, that's a guy uh, we'll be definitely looking looking at going forward. But again, we'll see. Goalies are, like I said, goalies are hard to predict. Well, you gotta hope he's a, a Pelly Lindbergh and not a Tommy Satterstrom. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, man, Pelly Lindbergh. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who he was headed to like Uber greatness, and then he died. But man, he was he was something else in Philadelphia, and he was just starting to find his stride. Uh, Tommy Soderstrom couldn't stop a beach ball as far as that goes. <laughs> well, we'll see. Well, let's talk a little bit about your lease. You know, they uh, they finally signed uh, Mitch Moneybags. Uh, they, they got to see what's going, and then they had this uh, controversy of uh, scratching Jason Spezza. They named no. their captain finally. Zero controversy there at all. That's just Toronto media. What does a fourth line center doesn't play in the in the game against Ottawa? That's to me. That's it's not even news. It's nothing. I know. I thought it was a little bit ridiculous, but you know, 
it, it is well, they're it always is. they're always yeah. looking for a story. Like somebody said, uh, it was they were Babcock was even meaner the next night when he scratched uh, David Clarkson didn't get to play in his uh, previous team at uh, wherever the hell he was on long term injury reserve before he was on the LTIR in Toronto. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Toronto, Toronto's looking good. Um, just from what well, I've seen so far. Matthews is a man on. Well, listen, Matthews, I feel he's he's a man on a mission this year. So I I have a feeling you're going to see Matthews really contend for the Richard this year. Toronto has got to find a figure out a way to play defense. They have no problem scoring goals. They they got all the guys in the world for that but they get ahead like they did against Montreal and then they get lazy and their defense and their goaltending, their goaltending is okay. Their defense is not good enough for them to stop for their forwards to stop playing. They have to play 60 minutes at full bore every night, or they're going to lose some games because they can't outscore everybody 17 to 15 every night. It's not going to happen. Um, they looked horrible against uh, Montreal. Uh, they were up four to one and blew it. Uh, they lost to St. Louis, but they looked good in that. That was a good game. Um, could have went either way, so I can live with that loss. Uh, they're still finding their game a little bit, just like everybody else, I guess. Uh, I, let's see how they do tonight against Tampa Bay. That'll be a uh, more of an indicator for me if they are. I still, to be honest, I think they need a new coach. Uh, I can agree with you there. Um, I don't think Babcock is the guy in Toronto. Um, maybe three years ago he was fine, but I think he's more of a placeholder. I don't, I don't see a fit with him in Toronto anymore. Yeah, I think they. I think Sheldon Sheldon Keith is the guy in waiting. Yeah, they need a guy who's yeah. going to deal with those young guys a little bit differently. Uh, like I was like my my son is a Canucks fan, and they've been bad the last couple of years. And this year they're they're still you know they're probably not making the playoffs, but they've at least got a reason to watch the team. They got some good players, and I always tell them too. I don't understand why teams don't play. You know the everybody talks about uh, you know the Oilers. Well, they you know their best players play twenty twenty five. Pushing 30 minutes a night. Why are guys like Austin Matthews playing like 15 and 16 minutes? That guy should be out there. Every chance they have to put him out there, he should be out there. I don't understand why they don't ride their better players. You're paying that guy ridiculous sums of money. He, sh- They should be out on the ice. Like, I mean, Toronto, like, they get a power play, and you look out there, and they've got third liners out on the power play. And it's why. Like, I don't I don't, that, I don't understand. Yeah, but that's just Because stupid. it's Mike Babcock. It is stupid, because Babcock, he he wants you to be a quote-unquote two-way player. He's a, he's a great coach, don't get me wrong, but he's trying too hard to be the next Scotty Bowman when he should be focusing on being the first Mike Babcock. Right, I mean, he's, he's only got, won one Stanley uh, Cup. 
yeah, he, he he's play, he's working on a lot of uh, of goodwill from something that happened a long time ago. Well, yeah, I mean, he's essentially a Canadian hero. He's won two gold medals with Canada, but I mean, still, you know, what have you done well, for me lately? And you know, the Babcock's been ousted in the first round the last three years, and even the, his last season with the Red Wings, first round, he couldn't get it out. He couldn't get out of the first round. So, you know, I think Babcock is most is more suited to coaching a veteran team. That's why I'm surprised he didn't go to Pittsburgh because had Babcock been in Pittsburgh, if he was their coach right now, don't get me wrong, not to take any way anything away from Mike uh from Mike Sullivan, great coach, but I think Pittsburgh would have had the same type of success with Babcock. Veteran team, yeah. he's a good coach for veteran teams and I feel that if Toronto doesn't win the Stanley Cup this year, Sheldon He's Keith, going. Sheldon Keith, Sheldon Keith is going to be your next. Uh, he should be. I mean, let's, I'm looking up their what? average ice time. You know, Marner's played 21 minutes of average ice time, but he penalty kills, so that is inflated. Matthews has only played 18 minutes. Nylander's only played 16 minutes. Tavares has played 19, but he penalty kills. And that's that's the highest ice times they have in forwards. Well, those guys should all be over twenty minutes, and then and and more, especially if they're playing power plays. That means you're probably only seeing the ice on regular shifts for fourteen minutes a game. Not enough. No, I, I agree. You gotta remember. Yeah, in my that. opinion, I mean they should ride their first two lines to death. That's what you're paying those guys all that money for. Then you throw the third line out there. Go ahead. Yeah, you. Oh, I mean, listen. You've got your first two lines. You've got at least four dangerous players that can do some damage when they're out on the ice. Use them. It, it makes no sense to me why you, like I said, why you would bother to pay these guys outrageous sums of money to play twelve minutes a night. <laughs> yeah, I don't get well, it. Well, I mean, it's just that's, that's my Babcock for you. I mean, that's that is a Babcock coaching system. He, he, you look at guys that have played for him. He's very intense. He's a very micro Babcock. So he wants to be in control of everything, and it's just when you're a team like the Leafs with a bunch of young guys that are going to be the future. You know, you can't do that with them. You can't. I get it. He well, wants to make them two-way players. That's that's a hallmark of a Mike Babcock team. But still, you're gonna you've already had adverse effects with these guys. You haven't gotten anywhere at, in the playoffs. You've only gotten in the first round. You know, time is up for Babcock. It's it's yeah, I, I think so. I mean, like I said they've got great forwards, fast forwards. That team should be pressure in the offensive zone forecheck to help out their shoddy defense and they should be go- they should be on the attack for 60 minutes a game. They should never I, ever I, take I their- Yeah, they should never take their foot off the pedal. It should be well, it's 4 to 1, let's make it 17 to 1. Who cares? That's what they sh- that's how they should play. This nonsense of well, we're going to like we're against Montreal, you know, got to be able to one look like the game was over and they went into dumping 
and not chase and let's sit at the red line and wait for the Canadians to bring the puck out. And they don't have that kind of team. They're not good enough defensively for that. They have to, no. you know, your you know best defense is a good offense and vice versa. So you have to play to your strengths, and they don't a lot. Like I said, we'll see how they do tonight no. against a, a better team. And uh, uh, who else? I, oh, somebody else that kind of surprised me a little bit, uh, and I shouldn't be surprised by them, by them, but I am, is Boston. Yeah, no, they're off to their best start in 18 years. Um, and, you know, I think a little bit is just they're, they're still peeved about losing in Game 7 to St. Louis. So well, they've uh, they've really tightened it up, man. Four goals against in three games, <laughs> like that's yeah, how you so win I'm, hockey. That's how you win hockey games. I mean, Boston's Boston's always been a solid team, but I think this year they have a little bit of uh, extra motivation to to uh, to to rectify. Well, what it's kind of their it's kind of their last sort of kick at it with that group because Char is probably not coming back. That's probably it for him. He's still playing 21 and a half minutes a night for a guy who's, what, 40-whatever he is, 40-something. Um, but they, they've got great goaltending. Their goaltending has been unbelievable so far. But it's only three games, but still. Halak threw up a shutout. Rask has only let in four on the you got to save percentage of 940. Can't argue with that. No, not at all. And you know what? I, I just – Boston to me is like – aside from Tampa Bay, they're, they are a uh, – they're a very solid all-around team. But they're going to beat you with the defense. Like, that's just – that's how Boston always has been. They've been a very tight defensive team, and they'll smother you. Like, yeah, and then they get they'll get two chances and they'll score twice and suddenly you've lost two to one. Exactly. I mean, uh, that's why Toronto has had such a tough time with them in the playoffs because Toronto, they're like, oh, we're just going to s- score on you to death. And Boston's just sitting back like, nope, not going to happen. So, no, you know, and we'll wait. They're patient. Yeah, they'll wait for their chances and then they, they cash in. Um, exactly. Gonna, you wanted to talk about the Penguins, but first let's let's talk about some bottom dwellers first. Ottawa, uh, no points. Only pointless team left in the league, I believe. Oh no, I take that back. Chicago ah. and Minnesota. Chicago and Minnesota with zeros. Uh, Arizona and San Jose at zeros. We talked about San Jose and Arizona a little bit. I think Minnesota's just played bad. Uh, Chicago's yeah. only Chicago's only played one game, so can't make any statement about them really yet. Ottawa, though, like, no. they just have absolutely nothing. Like they just aren't. Well, good. I mean, listen, it, and and that's to be expected. They're they're a team that has really they're really committing to building it right now. After they lost, which is laughable, they lost the number four overall pick this year. Or in this in this past year's draft, but you know they're committed to building it right. You know this draft is supposed to be really really good with superstars, so we'll see how 
how it ends up, if Ottawa ends up getting the number one overall, or if they land in the top five, they'll, they'll be getting a bona fide superstar for sure. But, I mean, as bad as Ottawa is, they do have some bright spots. You've got Shabbat, who's going to be their quote-unquote cornerstone defenseman. Uh, you got Brandstrom, who they who they got from Vegas, who's going to be a good player for them in the future. And you've got uh, Brady Kachuk, who's who's going to be their their score. But other than other than those guys, I mean, you don't really have much in Ottawa. You know, they just traded for Vlad Nemesnikov from from New York, but he's more of a reclamation project than anything else. So again, we'll see. Well, they've also got San Jose's first round pick this year. Oh, the, the uh, Carlson trade because that that was a conditional uh, first rounder that if the if uh, San Jose didn't make the playoffs they got the pick in 19 in uh, uh, 2019 and if they did they get the pick in 2020 so they're looking at two first round picks and if San Jose continues to suck the way they have so far that might end up being a pretty high pick Yeah, I mean, if, if if San Jose doesn't turn it around, obviously, then it'll uh, it'll obviously be an issue on San Jose's part that they let a high pick uh, go to Ottawa. But I mean, if that does happen, yeah. that, that that obviously aids Ottawa's rebuild immensely and gets them gets them their I mean, faster. They've got eleven. They have eleven draft picks in in twenty twenty, and five of them are in the first two rounds. So there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to. They got two firsts and three seconds. They should even be able to maybe trade a second and a third, or maybe even, maybe heck, maybe even all three of those seconds for another first. And they got three first, three second round picks in 2021 too. So they've they've stocked up in draft picks. I mean, there's no reason why they shouldn't get better pretty fast if they draft half decently, which. As we uh, talked about, I, I agree. Always, I mean, always a hit. I just, I think, I think Ottawa's finally just getting back to what they used to do. And when I when I when I talk about what they used to do, I'm talking about the Ottawa Senators from '96 to 2008, where a lot of that team was drafted and developed in the organization, and they were they were solid teams. And then from 2009 to now, it's just been like. Let's put a band-aid on this. Let's do a quick fix, and it just hasn't worked out for them. But well, I they, think they, they, once they, they do that, the, they'll be a solid team. They made the mistake, though, of they, they got players, grew them, and then didn't want to pay them. And they started to leave. You know, they Even Alfredson didn't stay there. I mean, he only played, what, one year in Detroit? Or did he play two? Yeah, right? he, he – no, he he played one year for us. Um, he was actually our leading scorer that the one season he played for us. See, but he never that, should. They never, a, have, they never should have let him leave. They never should have let Carlson leave. That that should. Uh, they never should have let Mark Stone leave. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, I know they're 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 no, tight I, against for the money, but still. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look at their owner. Look at their owner. I mean, Eugene Melnick. He is the worst owner in the league. 
I, I agree. He initially came in as the savior for the Ottawa Senators, bought him out of bankruptcy, but like he's done nothing. He he hasn't put him in a he hasn't put a solid team in place, a contending team every year after year. Uh, he refuses to put money in then. He makes these bold proclamations that, you know, in 2021 and beyond, we're going to start uh, spending <laughs> to the cap. Yeah. I mean, this, this well, guy is universally hated throughout the start, entire National Hockey League. We're going to start spending to the cap by uh, having uh, – they've got uh, $37 million at the deadline cap space. They've got $8 million of cap space right now, but – they have fifteen million of that is in LTIR, so really they have twenty three right. million dollars that they're not using for players that are on the ice, which is insane. Yeah, I mean they they get a big time benefit if you look at how much they pay in actual salary. Never mind the salary cap; they may be spending to the floor of the salary Barely. cap. But in terms of actual salary paid up, it's like below the cap floor. Like I think Ottawa is paying out like forty six, forty six million in actual salary this year. Yeah, well they've so, got some. They've got some really weird um, uh, deals going on there. I don't know what they did. Like I said, I mean they've got Ryan Callahan and Gabarik and Clark MacArthur on LTIR for fifteen point three million. So for some reason, they're paying seven point four million dollars for the two goalies they have, which <laughs> Craig Anderson is pretty much finished, and Anders Nielsen isn't any yeah. good, and he's getting two point six million. Like it just, you know, I mean, look at it this way: they have a defensive; their entire defense is only getting twelve million dollars, and Nikita Zaitsev and Ron Hainsey are getting eight million of that. So they have six defensemen or five defensemen that are making $4 million. Well, there you go. I mean, that that tells you all you need to know about why they won't win. And, of course, their highest paid forward is Bobby Ryan, so that also tells you something. (laughs) Oh, God, Bobby Ryan. Who at least, I think this year, has, has at least done a little something so far. I think he has a goal. Yeah, he's got one goal in two games, so that's that's better than the pace he was on last year. But uh, I just yeah, feel just... bad for Bobby Ryan because he's stuck in he's stuck in what's no was probably hockey purgatory or really hockey hell, which is Ottawa. He's got no good center to play with. The guy is a scorer. He's just like he never played with a top center in Ottawa. He never did. Well, they never had. And one. you know now he's started. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He never played with a top center in Ottawa, and I feel like if he had, if he goes to a team that has a, at least a decent center to set him up, you could see the guy put up 25 to 30. He could get back to what he used to be. Because Bobby Ryan is, is a big body. He's a big-bodied scorer. But well, we had you know, those uh, five, what, uh, 30, 35, 34. I mean, he scored consistently 30 goals for the Ducks. Well, I mean, look who he played with. He played with Ryan Getzlaff. So... I mean, he had a he had a number one center feeding him. So, and in Ottawa, he hasn't had that. I mean, he hasn't. Scored, I mean, I guess uh, if he, he had twenty three and twenty two for Ottawa the first two years, and then he went to 
you know, then he was 13, 11, 15, so, which, which you could live with if you weren't paying him $7.2 million. He was only getting three or four million. <laughs> you could probably live with that, but that, that salary, but then that was a ridiculous contract anyway. I don't know what they were, what they were thinking. I guess they figured well, he was going to score yeah. 35 a year for them, and he, he never did, so. No. And, and look, well, the guy that went the other way, yeah, Silverberg has been tearing it up for Anaheim now. He's been pretty good, yeah. It's funny how that works. Hmm. Yeah. Well, well, Ottawa is a, is a team that, you know, you, you pray for them, you hope that eventually they, they find their way to – prominence in the league and you, you really feel bad for their fans because it's just like it, it's like it's like being a Cleveland Browns fan or a Detroit Lions fan you know you, you have hope that your team is eventually going to get better and it doesn't and then eventually it'll, it will get there so you know Ottawa fans it'll it'll eventually happen so my, well, my prayers to you but the thing with Ottawa is I, I don't want to see them get too bad because I don't want that franchise to move. The Canadian, particularly for me, Canadian franchises have got to stay in Canada. I don't want to see them lose another one because it's going to be a while before, uh, well, really about the only place you could probably put one yet in Canada is probably in Quebec City, but they don't seem to be in any any hurry to do that for whatever reasons. Um, No, uh, I agree with you. I, uh, I think their biggest issue right now in Ottawa, and it's been a, a game of tug of war really between the city and ownership, is getting a, a new stadium in downtown Ottawa. Because right now they're playing in the outskirts, they're playing in Kanata, and it's well, it's not ideal for no, a team but I think that, that people, people forget though that Ottawa is not really that big a city. Uh, Population-wise, it's yeah. There's a lot of people around it, but in the actual city, I don't even think there's uh, yeah. There's nine hundred thousand, but really, that's not that big a city to support a major sporting franchise, especially when the Leafs are just down the road and have been the mainstay there forever. You know, it's not easy. And then when your building is no. in, like you said, it's in the middle of butt fuck nowhere. That is impossible to get to, but apparently, from what I understand, you know, you're losing 45 minutes to an hour getting there, and 45 minutes to an hour getting home. That's a pretty big commitment for a lot of people, especially if you've got kids or, well, hell, if you have a job. I mean, who wants to go to a seven o'clock game when you don't get home till pushing midnight? Yeah, I mean, it's the you same know, it's, issue they have in, in Arizona too. You know, you've got a team that's playing out in Glendale, Arizona, where, you know, downtown Phoenix is where all the action happens. And that's another thing the new ownership for the Coyotes is trying to do is get a new arena built downtown Phoenix because you'll you'll have more exposure and you'll have more fans coming to your games. And I think once Ottawa starts doing that, their numbers at the gate, because I know that's been an issue for them in the past, is their numbers at the gate will improve once they get that arena downtown. But well, again, you gotta we'll, do see, is, we'll see what happens. All you got to do is look at the Edmonton Oilers. They've been garbage for years. But they got a new building, put it in an even better place than where the old one was, and that place is sold out. 
and there and there was no reason for it to be sold out the first two years because they were they were horrible. Um, but people will come if there's a, you know, the, if the team is even half decent and there's some kind of a, I don't know how you put. I mean, going to the game is a, an occasion and an event. There's reasons to go there besides the hockey game, if that makes sense. Like it's not just you're, you're going to the hockey game and sit down in your seat and watch the game, and there's nothing else happening in the building. Um, no, I mean there's a social aspect to it too. I mean you're you're yeah, enjoying time that's with what I'm, family, friends, making memories. I mean it's 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 fun, and then you know that's why I, I feel bad for Senators fans because you know aside from the Ottawa Red Blacks, you know that's their team is the Senators. And when you have an owner that is not, who hasn't been really good to the the entire team, you know, and to the fan base, you know, it's it's tough to get behind it. You you really just want to not support the team anymore. And I know I know a couple of days ago it was kind of a hoax. Um, it was a hoax that they thought that Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, was going to buy the Senators, and everybody was freaking out. They're like, oh my god. And, you know, have been I'll be honest, awesome. it, it was, oh, my God. Not only would it have been good for the, the city of Ottawa and the Senators organization, but think about it from the National Hockey League standpoint. A guy like Robert Kraft, you know, more, he's more money than NFL he, guy. He's a, he's a god oh in the NFL and, and has more money than he knows what to do with. Even with uh, having that, sporting was, franchises, he still has more money than he knows what to do with. Well, think of it from an NHL league standpoint. They have a TV deal that they have to renegotiate in, I think, about two to three years. If you have Robert Kraft at the table, who's one of your owners, think of the TV deal you're going to get in the NHL for the NHL. That will put you on par with the NBA and the NFL in terms of revenue and profit for the entire year. So, I think if I was the NHL and Robert Kraft said, I want to buy this team, you immediately approve him right away. If you can get a guy like Robert Kraft into your into your owner, board of owners or whatever, your ownership fraternity, I think it just benefits the league as a whole. And whoever the team that he buys, they're going to benefit from it. But well, unfortunately, yeah. it turned out not to be a, not to be true, but man – if it was, if it were, uh, if it were happening, man. Well, they know how to. Uh, like, he's the kind of businessman, though, that that you want for an owner. They know how to run a business, and they're not. A, they have the money, so they're not afraid to. Like what he did in New England, he built, he buys the team, he acquires the stadium, and then he builds, you know, three hundred fifty million dollars worth of shopping and all the other stuff around the stadium and laughs his ass off because he's making nothing but money. I mean, he spent $675 million doing it, but he's worth $6.2 billion. So for him, that really wasn't... You know, dropping a bucket he, for him. Well, you got to spend it to make it, right? Exactly. And, he's, and those definitely guys aren't that... afraid to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's what they he did. Would have that's definitely what they did. Yeah. Well, Daryl Cates, I mean, he was very aggressive and tenacious in getting that new arena. And, I mean, he 
he played he played the game. He was like, oh, well, I'm going to Seattle to look. And it was just a ploy to get the city of Edmonton to, to help pay for that stadium. And look, he's got a shiny brand-new stadium in the heart of downtown Edmonton. Uh, it, it's a good stadium from what I've heard and from what I've seen. It's you know, pretty it, It's going to add – it's it's gonna it's gonna just add more to the local uh, local businesses. It's gonna help generate more more money for the local businesses. I mean, I, I, prime example: Little Caesars Arena. Little Caesars Arena has been very pivotal uh, pivot, pivotal to um, to the revitalization of downtown Detroit. I mean, you're starting to see it now. A lot of new businesses are coming up. And, you know, Little Caesars Arena is a catalyst for it. So, you know, these big arenas can help. Well, like I said, I mean, Cates was really smart. I mean, he not only did – I mean, he owns the rink, which to me, if I was going to own an NHL franchise, you have to own the building. It's where all the revenue comes from. But, I mean, they've got 25 acres of downtown Edmonton that he's going to own or at least build and lease out or however you want to look at it. And they figure that a retail space worth two and a half billion dollars. I mean, these guys aren't playing. You know, this is some serious, I mean, it, it brings credibility to the, to the, to the league that there's guys that are, and I imagine it must talk, to certain other rich dudes that, Hey, this is a game I'd like to get in on. You know, you're making, I mean, uh, Daryl Cates is worth, I think $4 billion or something. He's not a little player either. I mean, we're talking about some serious money here. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's, he's done a lot. Um, But Daryl Cates is more of a hockey fan to me, which is great as an owner, but, I think he, as an owner, he great owner, but he's made some poor hockey decisions in the past, and it's really cost his team. He, he's but a great owner of, from a from a money standpoint. He's a great owner. He's not when oh, he tries absolutely. to when he thinks that he knows something about the game. He doesn't know it. You know he doesn't. <laughs> and his uh, the fact that they let Peter Chiarelli sign Nico Koskinen to a. The three-year, four million-dollar deal when when the guy was on when they were looking at firing him. What 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 kind of an organization is we're we're talking about firing our general manager, but let's let him go out and make another contract. What the hell? Yeah, <laughs> you know. No, I, 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 no well, you know what? Shirley was kind of feeling it, and he was like, you know what? This is my parting gift to the Oilers. Enjoy cap hell for the next three years. You know, it would be like. Uh, and I owe him this joke so you can laugh, and I'll tell you why in a second. It would be like uh, Nate Bush is suspected of filling out a prescription wrong, so they put him on the front desk and let him continue to fill them out. Like, it really wouldn't make sense, right? You would check first to see, did he in fact goof up, or have we determined that he did? Let's just not let him keep doing what we think he's been doing wrong. Yeah, I mean, it is of course, not, it a is, hypo- but... not a hypothetical, of course, but um, oh, I mean, look, that's that's the Edmonton. Uh, that is the uh, Edmonton way. 
Well, it was for so long because they, they just trusted the, uh, like you said, they, their owner was a fan and he bought into the whole low McTavish, Paul Coffey, Wayne Gretzky, all that stuff. And I'm sure those guys meant well, but they weren't good hockey minds. They just aren't. You know, Wayne Gretzky, sure, greatest player to ever play the game. But just because you can play it well doesn't mean you can coach it well. And, in fact, I would argue that it probably makes it even harder because in your mind you're going, well, it's quite clear to me why you wouldn't have done the, the three things you did. Okay, but you're Wayne Gretzky. You know, your mind is two, or at least back in the day, was two steps ahead of everybody else. But not most guys don't think that way. So, you know, you just trying to trying to teach them to be you doesn't really work because there's only one Wayne Gretzky. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean it was. I guess I and I can probably talk about it. Like when Gretzky was coach of Arizona, everybody had this view of. He was a great player. He's going to have the success. So, yeah, Edmonton got too enamored with the old boys club, thinking that they were going to bring them back to the level of, levels of success that they that they were at in the 80s. But just, no, you need, well, they, you need different they, ideas. They went through a stretch where they tried to make a team like it was 1985. And we'll just score 47 goals and we'll win. Like, let's see, let, let, let's take this further, seeing as we got time. Here's a question that I've always asked myself, and nobody's been able to give me a good answer. Why is Grant Fuhrer in the Hockey Hall of Fame? He's in the Hall of Fame because of the team that played in front of him. Quite honestly, because he didn't, His he didn't have to deal with... are not that good. Yeah. I mean, look who he played in. Look who played yeah, in front of that's, that's my point. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers. I can remember them playing like Chicago, or Minnesota in the playoffs, and the scores in the games were like eleven to seven, <laughs> nonsense like that. And it was just like, I mean, were the were the Oilers really that good? Yes, offensively they were, but as a whole, like people talk about the greatest teams ever assembled. I would think that the Montreal Canadiens of the 1970s, when they won five cups in a row, would destroy the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you, you can even talk about the Red Wings of the 90s or even the 2002 uh, Hall of Fame team. Oh, yeah. Much better all-around team with much better goaltending. I would argue, well, and they actually even proved it, the Islanders – when they were getting old, beat the Oilers once. When they were in their prime, I don't think they, the Oilers would have touched the, the New York Islanders dynasty team. No. I, you look at those teams and you just see, like, how solid defensively they were. Even even the broad series bullies of the 70s, you know, the, the back-to-back Flyers Cup team, they would have given Edmonton a very tough time. I mean, Grant, Grant no, Fuhrer's think... NHL totals. Now, granted, that's not all with Edmonton, but still, it's his body of work. He has a .887 save percentage and a 3.4 goals against average. Those are not Hockey Hall of Fame numbers. 
Because if they are, there's a lot no, of goalies that need, that need to be in the Hall of Fame who aren't there. Oh, then you know what? Then allow me to make my my case. I mean, a guy like Chris Osgood, who deserves to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. This, this man won four uh, four hundred games in the league, three Stanley Cups, two as a starter, and he on his own got the St. Louis Blues and the New York Islanders into the playoffs on his own. I mean, now mind yeah, you, he played in front, he played behind some great Detroit teams. Don't get me wrong. But Chris Osgood was a very solid goaltender, especially when he came to playoffs. There were some games when he was with the Red Wings where, you know, if it wasn't for Osgood, they would have lost that game. Well, his his Definitely. NHL totals are 2.49 goals against and a 9.05 save percentage, which isn't the greatest by today's standards. But when he played, those were stellar numbers. Stellar numbers. Yeah, I mean, way, better, so way better than Grant Fears. Way better than Grant Fears, anyway. Yeah. I mean, hell, I I would argue that did, did Mike Vernon he did he win a cup in Detroit? Yeah. So Mike Vernon was the starter in '97, and then the Wings traded him that off season, and Osgood was a starter in '98. And then in 2001, the Red Wings got rid of Osgood and brought him back in '05, and he was our starter in '08 when we won our most recent Stanley Cup. Okay, so did Mike Vernon so, win? A, did, did he win two Stanley Cups? Then did he win one in Calgary? Was he yeah, that goalie? Yeah, Vernon won one? one in Calgary. Yep, he won one in Calgary and then one with uh, Detroit. Okay, so so there's another guy. So two Stanley Cups. I mean that that's enough as far as if you're going to pull the uh, card for well, you know, only winners get into the Hall of Fame. All right, so two Stanley Cups. That's that that should do it. I mean, Mike Vernon has a two point nine. Goals against average and a point nine save percentage, career wise. So why isn't he in the oh, Hall of Fame? Don't forget, also Mike Vernon won uh, won the Conn Smythe in '97 too. Okay, which Grant Fuhr never ever even thought about winning. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, so guys like. I mean, I guess era has something to do with it, but still. Like I know yeah, the Oilers, they're, really they're, they're pushing for uh, Kevin Lowe to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I'm like, come on. I mean, if Kevin Lowe I mean, gets Paul into Coffey. the Hockey Hall of Fame, yeah, Paul Coffey. Okay, but statistically, uh, I mean, Paul Coffey was a horrible uh, defensive defenseman, but you know he got it done with the puck at least. Kevin Lowe didn't do either, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, you don't look at Kevin Lowe as a guy that was notable in in those on those Edmonton teams. Even I mean, now, he like, played a you know played a lot of games. You know, he he had a long career, but I mean, without him, the Edmonton Oilers are are no better or worse. Let's put it that way. Well, I mean, I look at it this way: if if he was that important to the Oilers, they would have retired his number. Well, if 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 he gets in here, I'll make a bit of a joke, but not a joke at the same time. If Kevin Lowe gets into the Hall of Fame, does Lee Fogelin get into the Hockey Hall of Fame? <laughs> uh, I actually know well, who Lee Fogelin is. Yeah, I mean, as far as Edmonton Oilers defensemen go, he was the captain of the team for a few years, was a very good defensive defenseman in the time he played there. Uh, I mean, are we going to put Steve Smith in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Oh, God. 
Well, mm. well, no. I mean, you know, listen, you, you know, need to put guys that deserve do to be there. To, I think. Did we need to brush up a spot for Danny DeKaiser? Oh God! Listen, <laughs> every he he is Detroit. He's a he's he was a little bit of a whipping boy in the last couple of years in Detroit, but. Listen, I love Danny DeKaiser, but he is not a number one. He's miscast no, as a number yeah, one. Yeah, that's all I'm he's saying a, about him. I'm, he's I'm a three-four. He's a three-four defenseman. Yeah, I'm not saying he's. I mean, I, I'm I, just I, saying I, he's an average. He's an average guy, and he doesn't belong in the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's my point. No, I, and, I, and I agree with you. I think that's the thing with uh, with Kevin Lowe. He's not. He was a solid defenseman, but he wasn't like wow. Like he wasn't this guy a needs to have his jersey retired. No, and. You know, you, you see a lot of these superstar players that are getting into the Hall of Fame, and for a good reason. You know, they've got the statistics and the awards to, to back it up, even even if they didn't play in the NHL. You know, you have I mean, guys like... Uh, I would be curious uh, to look back and see if Kevin Lowe was even ever nominated for a Norris Trophy. Yeah, I'm gonna, I don't know. I, I would say it would be doubtful that he ever was even on the ballot. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he. I don't think he ever was. But I mean, just again going, going by just Kevin Lowe. Even even with Edmonton, with their their uh, their tendency to to love the old boys club, if he was that important to the Edmonton Oilers dynasty. They would have retired his number, and they didn't. I mean, the only thing I'll say so, to him is he, he he won five Stanley Cups. Yeah, or six. I mean, because he, he won one with because he did win one with New York too. So he does have six Stanley Cups. I'll give him that. And there's not many people that can say that. But I mean, even in Wikipedia here, like whoever wrote this must have been an Oiler fan. Lowe was regarded as one of the three kings of the Oilers dynasty, along with Gretzky and Messier. Uh, what, what happened to Yari Curry and Glenn Anderson and Paul Coffey in that mix? They were all way better players than Kevin Lowe ever dreamed of being. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I admit, too, though, I do have some bias because I don't like the Edmonton Oilers very much. So I got to take No, I mean, I'm grain of salt, but still, he's not a Hockey Hall of Famer, and shouldn't be, in my opinion. No. So well, how do you feel yeah. about Enough. the job that your boy Eisenman is doing? So um, are you happy, are you happy yeah, with Steve? It's just some patience. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's patience. You know, he, he stressed that in his press conference at the beginning of the summer. You know, the Philpola signing, I didn't understand. The Nemeth signing, I understood. It improved the team defense. And I guess with Philpola, you kind of get that, too. You got a guy that can win draws. But, you know, when Philpola was here and originally, you know, and it still is the same frustration, he's a pass-first player. He doesn't shoot the puck. You know, if you look at his totals, like he's never scored more than 25 goals, Philpola. So it's he's not a, he's not a scorer. He's a passer. And, you know, again, think they're not cumbersome deals. They're two-year deals. So by the time Detroit's ready to start uh, contending, they'll be off the books. But Nemeth, 
I I I like the signing. It's what we need in, in the D. You know, solid puck moving defensive defenseman. You know, is not gonna not gonna be a liability. Definitely not gonna be a pylon like uh, like Jonathan Erickson. You know, he'll use his body. So again, I can't I can't complain. Yeah, no, I, I'm not a fan of Jonathan Erickson. I, think uh, I was going to say, why don't you why don't you tell me how you really feel about Jonathan Erickson? Yeah, <laughs> uh, he is the softest big man I've ever seen. You know, he's trying he's trying to play like he's like he's Bobby Orr, and he's got the size. He doesn't use his size. It's very it's very frustrating. And and everybody in Detroit, we're just we're just ready to see his contract expire. Thankfully. This is the last year of his contract. We're just kind of hoping he's uh, long-term I uh, no. long-term injured, retired instead of IR uh, reserve. No, no, stay on, no, on in, no inkling to sign Dion Phaneuf to a one-year deal. Oh God, no! Wow, another <laughs> pylon. <laughs> they, they, listen, they, they uh, were they were very close to getting Dion. I think like four years ago, Detroit was like now. trying to get Dion. Oh God, I'm happy they they avoided that. They dodged that bullet because having Dion Phaneuf on your cap would have just been terrible. I have I to mean, admit uh, that it, it was uh, it was one of the better moves. Well, I think it must have been was it Lou or was it the guy before Lou? Whoever got him out of Toronto, that was a great trade. Whoever did that, uh, I'm not even I sure. I think that was Lou. Might have been Lou, but whoever, whoever did Lou. that should get a pat on the back because that was a great move because that to me was a contract that was well virtually untradeable in my opinion. Mind you, they were the oh, ones absolutely. that gave him, they were the ones that gave him the deal originally though, so I believe. Yeah, I mean the fact that he didn't have to retain any any salary yeah. on that deal and Ottawa took the whole thing. That was just like that was a, the ultimate fleecing if I've ever seen one. Seven million so, I mean, dollars for seven years they gave him back in 2013. Good I know, I remember that. Good lord. Yeah, the Kings are, and the Kings are busy eating that at the cost of 1.4 million a year, and so is Ottawa for the next 40 seasons. <laughs> Well, I know one person who isn't laughing. It's Dion Phaneuf. He can just kick back and just let yeah, those tackles roll in. He's got himself a really uh, – I mean, I don't know what kind of person she is, but uh, visually he's got himself a nice, really stunning-looking wife there. Life can't be that bad. No. He's he's married to what, I mean, Alicia think... Cuthbert, I believe. Maybe yeah. star, and he's – He's made eighty million dollars in his hockey career, and he's only thirty-four. He can go do something else. It's not like he's, uh, you know, in a, in a way, he should consider himself kind of lucky. He got out of the game without. He doesn't have his brains rattled to death. He isn't hurt. Like it could be, you know, he he wasn't forced out of the game for injuries or concussions or any of that sort of stuff. Could be, you know, take your money and uh, go do something, you know, or whatever it is you want to yeah, do. Exactly. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd lo- I'd love to be getting the checks for two point eight million a year and not working. No, I I agree with that. I think the only thing, if if you're Dion Phaneuf, the only thing that I would think eats at you is you didn't win a Stanley Cup. 
So, I mean, it, it, yeah, that would be the only time I see him would, coming out to, to continue playing. That would suck, and I think you'd, you'd probably got to have a bad taste in your mouth that there's nothing physically wrong with you, but nobody wants you because you just aren't any good anymore. Too slow. Yeah. You can't even get on a, ba- a franchise on a bad team. So, uh, the I mean, probably you know, a bit of a he would have looked bad in the Sharks. He, he honestly would have looked bad on the Sharks. Well, he, he, could, play, I mean, he I, could play for a team. Like, he couldn't play in L.A. anymore because everybody was slow there except for Doughty, and Doughty's not the fastest guy either. That's why he couldn't play in L.A. anymore. He just they couldn't afford the risk for that for that salary. But um, I mean, there's not really any reason why he couldn't play on a team that had a better defenseman because he's got a good shot and he does bring an element of uh, rough and tumble, which never hurts. You know, as a sixth guy or a seventh guy, he'd probably be all right still. Then you could get him for next to nothing because yeah. he's making two point eight million dollars a year as it is. You could probably get him for a mail. Oh yeah. So I mean, season ain't over he, yet. If he had no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you saw Marlowe get signed, so we'll see who else gets signed. Yeah, somebody but, gets hurt, you know or, or maybe you know when they need a veteran guy, somebody maybe picks him up. You never know. Yeah. You know, one trade I kind of want to see, and I, and I feel like he'd be such a good fit, is Trevor Daly going to Toronto. I honestly well, that's feel kind like of been, Trevor Daly. That's kind of been out there before, I think. I've heard that mentioned once or twice. but I mean, the, the yeah. fit is just so nice there. He's a, he's a good third-pairing guy. He moves the puck very well, and he's a veteran guy. Helps out their defense, and he's won two Stanley Cups. So, you can't go wrong if you're Toronto. And from a Detroit standpoint, you can retain half of his salary, so that Toronto's cap compliant, and you can get an asset or two for him. Well, where do and it helps your luck. Where do they have him on the roster? Oh, he's on, he's on injured reserve. He's he's injured right now. It, yeah, it, it really helps with their logjam on defense, too, because a guy like Madison Bowie or Bowie, you know, he'll get his ice time, and you get these young defensemen, you get them that ice time that they need so they can develop. So, well, yeah, I mean, know, they, they, would, they would definitely have to retain some salary, and, and then Toronto would still have to get rid of somebody because they don't have any room yeah, under the cap I, at all. So. Well, maybe a guy like Justin Hall or or not definitely not McDermott, that's for sure. Toronto, they love oh, McDermott Toronto's in Toronto, the one, so they don't. Toronto likes yeah, Toronto likes him for some reason, so that probably wouldn't happen anyway. Um I would think you'd have a better chance probably of picking off a forward out of Toronto than you would a D guy. Could be. Although I don't, I don't know. Again, it's, it's more like I don't a know who you fantasy but... trade. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it makes sense. Uh, you know, can't, I can't argue it from that point. 
There's no uh, Toronto's a tough. They're, they're a weird. You know, I've been a fan for life, and they're a weird team when it comes to trades. They they tend to make really strange ones. Yeah, but I get, think this one would be a would be a good one for them. Then they get married to players, and that's the <laughs> biggest mistake you can make. You get you like to me, like even like the Oilers. Well, no, there's just, there's no way we'd ever trade Connor McDavid. Not, not true. If somebody comes at you with four first rounders and some players, you're a fool not to trade Connor McDavid. You're crazy not to. Unless your team is going to stand the well, cups, but like let's say Edmonton sucks uh, again this year and Connor McDavid starts to bitch and complain. I don't like it here, I want out. Okay, if somebody offers you the first four four first four picks and they're a bad team, so those picks are good and they throw, you know, I don't know, their best player and a bunch of scrubs in, you make that trade. Or you should. From a business point of view, you should make it. Now, fan base-wise, that's another story. But because if you're not winning with them, there's yeah, not much point. There's not much, yeah, there's not much point in keeping them for ten years if you don't ever win. You might as well trade them at some point and get something. I mean, exactly. So, I mean, Wayne Gretzky was traded. So, any person that's traded now, nobody's off limits. I mean, anybody well, can even, get traded. I mean, I yeah, I mean even, for, uh, even for him, let's say that he stays his entire contract in Edmonton. So he's got what? Uh, I want to say, I think, uh, six years to go. I think he's good till 2026, I believe. But that only makes him, he's not even 30 yet. He'll be 28 years old. So now are, are you yeah. going to pay? So let's say the Oilers are not good. Now, who knows? I mean, that's hit and miss. But let's say they stay bad. And you've got a 28-year-old Connor McDavid who's going to want, by that time, whatever the ceiling is, you know, $17 million a season. Are you going to pay him and continue to be bad? Or are you going to trade him? I would say you'd trade him. They're going to be looking at it when it comes to Hopkins. They've got two years left with Hopkins. Are they going to pay? He'll be 28 years old. Are they going to pay him eight or nine million dollars, or are they going to let him? You know, are they going to let him walk? Because I don't think he's worth nine they million dollars a season. No, and the sad part is because he plays for the Oilers and they're desperate for that talent, they will pay him that money on the open market. I don't see Nugent Hopkins getting. I see him getting close to what Ooh. he's making right now. If I mean, if, look- if any, if he gets more, it's like seven million at most. Yeah, I mean, look what happened with uh, Jordan Everton, who I think, to be honest, was a better player than Nugent Hopkins was. He isn't anymore, but I think he was, and he turned into nothing, really. I mean, I, I suppose in their view, it really wasn't that bad letting him, well, they traded him for, well, that, actually, that trade was total garbage because they ended up with nothing out of that trade. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. They're looking at it like they've got to, to switch to a, a little bit of a different track here. They've got a whole pile of, uh, what do they got, 7, 8, 10, 12, 13, 14. They've got like 16 or 17 guys next year that are not under contract. Ken Holland is going to be a busy, busy man. 
this season in the offseason because oh, yeah. he, he has got some serious decisions to make, who they're going to keep, who they're going to pay. Um, I mean, they want to get out of cap hell, but most of their guys that are coming up aren't really that – like even Darnell Nurse, are they going to pay him? What's he worth? I don't really know. They think exactly. he's worth ridiculous ridiculous sums of money, but I'm not so sure. Uh, in fact, I, I, I mean, I mean he, has, he has promise still, but he hasn't really showed that much yet, in my opinion. I mean, we'll see. I mean, now that you've got Adam Larson out, this is a perfect opportunity for, for him to really uh, to show what he's made of. And if he well, does well, then obviously he's going to get paid. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I, I would kind of, if I was the Oilers, I'd kind of hope Adam Larson stayed hurt. Because for $4.2 million, he, he's not good enough for that kind of money. No, I mean, listen, he was drafted too high by New Jersey initially. And New Jersey thought they were getting the next Nicholas from when they drafted well, Adam Larson. So did Edmonton. I mean, they, they figured when they traded <laughs> Hall for him that they were somehow getting this you know, Norris Trophy. But then Edmonton, that's, again, that's Edmonton. Larson was going to win the Norris Trophy. Well, Darnell Nurse will be winning uh, Norris Trophies, uh, not unless his game changes significantly. He might turn into a good defenseman, but I don't think he's ever going to be. And then, then they're already talking that about Ethan Bear and Evan Bouchard. Oh, those guys are going to go on to win the Norris. Slow down, guys. Let these guys develop quick putting these expectations on guys it's, it kills those young guys they they got enough pressure they don't need any more coming from areas that you know uh, it's like saying well James Neal's going to win the scoring race this year well I mean he can take it because he's 32 years old but if he was 19 look what they did to Kyler Yamamoto that guy's just totally falling right off the radar yeah, and you know what? That and this is kind of where Ken Holland comes in, because he's going to do to Edmonton what he did to Detroit. He's going to be patient with a lot of these young kids. He's going to really temper expectations for the Oilers, and I think that's that's the one one of the good things about so Holland being the, the GM of Edmonton. Yeah, he's going to really uh, he's going to temper those expectations because he's going to he's going to be honest. He's like this player's not ready yet and we're not going to put this pressure on them. And he's not, he won't bring up a player unless they force him to, to put him on the team. Yeah, so, some, you know, there's some doubts about that. In Edmonton, that Listen, if I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm an Oilers fan, I, I would just, it'd be like, uh, like the 76ers. You just got to trust the process. That's oh, about boy. it. Just trust the process. Trust the process. So, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to assume, although in Edmonton that maybe is not a safe assumption with the new regime, that the people who were doing the drafting know what they're doing. And yeah. you can't and you can't assume that just because a guy lit it up at 18 in the OHL, that he's ready to light it up in the NHL the next year. Most guys aren't. And if you want to, you know, a perfect example is Joe Thornton, who was horrible 
for the first, I believe, two years in Boston. He couldn't do anything. I mean, he was to the point where they, I think he had one decent year, and then they didn't even want him anymore. Look at the career he's ended up having. You know, some guys just, yeah. you know, it takes it takes a while. Uh, I mean, Boston is notorious for giving up on guys. I mean, Tyler Sagan's another one. And he didn't really have that good well, of yeah. a rookie year either, from what I recall. Well, you, you got to remember, look what, look at the situation Sagan walked into. He was a young guy on a veteran team. Mind you, Boston was a cup contending team at that time, too. So he had the benefit of of maturing a little bit, and they put him, they stuck him on the third line. And then and he ended up can, winning a Stanley Cup at that year. Yeah, like I mean, Joe Thornton had seven points in his first season in Boston. Yeah, but you look at look at the team Boston was at that time compared to Sagan. Boston was a rebuilding team, and. Thornton well, was relied upon to be the savior, whereas yeah, in 2011, yeah, he, yeah, he he came in there with the expect. They, I mean, they he was going to be Cam Neely 2.0, and actually he turned out to be a better player than him. But initially he wasn't. You know, they wanted him to pot 50 goals and be a beast because he's a big guy and all that, and he's just not that kind of player really. He's all hands, to be honest, for the most part. He really isn't a goal scorer, really. More of a setup guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, uh, I'm just. Boston made out really well with them drafting. I, I agree with you. They, they gave up too early on these players. You know, if Sagan's still in Boston right now, who knows how big of a, big of a juggernaut they are already than what they are. You know, you add Sagan to that group of players, you know, you know but he's Boston. A, he's another guy, though, you know, that he's good but not great, if that makes sense. No, it, it does. I mean, Sagan, since he's been in Dallas, he's definitely been better, but it's not like he, he should he's only be putting been good up statistically. On, yeah, but he should be putting up 100-point seasons, and he doesn't. No, you're right. He, I, I agree with you there. You know, he, it's, it's very. Uh, Although from what, like about, from what I've heard about him, he's kind of a he has just only recently got his act together off the ice. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, with, with Sagan, you just you kind of want to see a guy like him, especially high draft pick. You kind of want to see him take over a game and be like the guy. And he and seeing him, he hasn't really done that. Like he's a, he's a good player, but I just don't see that with Sagan. He's uh, he reminds me a lot of Taylor Hall, another guy who's got plenty of skills, but just has never. Again, is good, but has never been great. In my opinion. And well, should be better well, than he is. Well, listen, he, he did have that one. His first season in New Jersey, he had that Hart Trophy winning season. So Hall's, Hall's shown it when he's been the guy. But I think we're more more or less attributing it to his lack of playoff success and the fact that even last year he, he was injured. 
So he I didn't have the opportunity to really show up. I wonder, too, if it's because he's never really played on a good team. Yeah. The Oilers, team, I mean, Oilers teams he played for were horrible, and the Devils haven't been any good since he's been there either. So, I mean, he's no, almost a point, he's now, almost a point, a, a point of a game player in his career. But, uh, yeah. I just I think this year you're going to see a, a different Taylor Hall. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it. It's a he contract year for him. Yeah, he he's a, he's a he's a big man. He he plays a little physical, but you know, like I said, this this year's going to be different for him. You know, contract year. He's got some some talent surrounding him. They they drafted Jack Hughes. Uh, they've got Nico Heischer, and they've got PK Subban. So you know, he's got some skilled guys with him this year. Which I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how uh, Taylor Hall performs for sure. Hello. Uh, 